Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer is rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Oh. Are you playing this because Michael Bryant reminds you of John Travolta? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, he goes, oh, yeah. You got kind of an owly face today. What's the problem down there? You really? Big baby. I know. Did you have an owly face before, Doug? It's too early. Tom I showed up? You, we were talking baseball. I thought you were just we're normal. I think it was you showing up that made me owly. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Alex nods her head. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I had a okay. delightful surprise yesterday. What? Uh, the mayor of South St. Paul, our good buddy Jimmy Francis, Jimmy Francis invited me to hear guy. the governor talk. And it's automotive-related, so we'll get into the content later. But I met Mrs. Mayor. Yep. Oh, you did? Jimmy is in the I hit above my, I fight above my weight class, yeah, too. Yeah, is he? I mean, if you like <laughs> strikingly good-looking women that are tall and great smiles and really outgoing, just seemed like just a lovely person. The whole shooting match? Yep. She was a complete package. So yeah, well, I don't know how you guy. how you pulled that off, Jimmy. But hats off to you. Nice. Is she blind? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that once or twice before. Am I? At times, your wife blind or what's the deal? Yeah, shut up. Okay, that's all I got to tell you. She's a trophy wife. I never said it was first place. Oh God, remember that? <laughs> what movie was that in? I saw. I thought you told me his wife was a trophy wife. I didn't say it was first place. <laughs> what was it? it was some Italian that. movie. It was damn good. That's all I know. Is that Analyze This? Maybe. I think it was remember. Analyze This. You might be right I about love that. that movie with yeah. Yeah, Billy Crystal and, and Robert. De Niro. De Niro. Yeah. Three De and a half hours, The Irishman. I can't Three do it. and a half oh, hours. Do it. it was a Stephen Wright joke. 
Was it? To begin with? Yeah. Oh, is it okay. Stephen Wright joke? Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. And my favorite Stephen Wright, he'll never top, and no one will ever top. I went to the convenience store to get something. <laughs> they were closed. I looked in the sign said, open 24 hours. I went back the next day, and I said, hey, you were closed yesterday. The guy goes, yeah. I said, well, your sign says, open 24 hours. And he said, well, not in a row. <laughs> <laughs> what a great joke that is. It's just so, his stuff was so funny because it was so obvious, but nobody else paid attention to it, apparently. Whatever happened to him? I haven't talked to him in a long time. Didn't you just talk about him a couple weeks ago that yeah. he's still out doing some stuff? He's doing he's some stuff, yeah. Older and, yeah. He's so damn funny and, and really not. I actually made him laugh once, which is like a problem. You made him laugh? Life. Yeah. Wow. He's a, he's wow. a deadpan. Oh, yeah. He's deadpan as he gets, but he started laughing. As I, I can't even remember what it was about, but really, <laughs> really great guy. Well, I'll tell you why you haven't seen him a whole lot. Why? He did movies up to 2005, yes. took a 12-year hiatus to come back for the Emoji movie. And then he never did a movie again. And then it ruined his life. Yeah, but, but he's, he's not like really doing, a movie star. He's doing like... He, he was in a lot of movies, yeah, actually. Just usually kind of walk on bit parts and... Yeah. Well, because he didn't break character. Right. He never was like, you know, suddenly, you know, yeah. doing something serious or, or not yeah, serious. He was Bob as yeah. in... Babe, pig in the city. So, hey. well, oh, that was a great Bob one. is babe, pig in the city. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> that was James. What's his name? The lead. Come on, pig. James Con. James? No, not James Con. Uh, Cromwell. James Cromwell. James Cromwell. You know that. That's just scary. <laughs> I have a mental illness. You do know that. Right? I know, but just <laughs> one. To know who the lead is in Bob, pig in the city, is a bit much. There was a deal yesterday, or was it yesterday? A couple days ago. And I have no idea how the hell I knew this. I have no clue. But somebody, you know, because Fiat Chrysler got in that trouble with the, their, apparently some of the, oh, the union information they released was not accurate or something. Uh, they get in trouble all the time. Yeah. They, <laughs> they do said, stuff like that. They're run by Italians. Well, oh, there no. is. That's true. Oh, I had a good one yesterday at the, at the gathering. It was phenomenal. But anyway, uh, because somebody asked me, he said, so, so Fiat owns Chrysler now? I said, yeah, exactly. He goes, what does Fiat mean? And I said, eh, what's well, a decree? And I right. went, how the hell did I, I did how did you know that? Because I didn't know that, but somehow I did know it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you've probably heard ruled by Fiat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Fiat yeah. currency, that's a pretty common. Yeah, yeah. Fiat currency is pretty, that's true. And yeah, it, that means it's a currency by declaration. This is our currency. This is our currency, a declaration, a decree. Yep, mm-hmm. there you go, a fiat. I, fiat stands for Fabrizia Italiana Automobile Torino. So they didn't even know what the hell it meant. It was just somebody's name. <laughs> yeah, Italian Automobile Factory of Turin. Of Turin. Oh, the Shroud of Turin. Is it right there in the back seat? <laughs> Maybe. Although now good. they're thinking that that's not even real, so. Wouldn't it be the great? Yeah, well, there's no way that thing is real, is well, it? Well, what do you mean there's no way? So, well, it's Come like on. States. People believe it. Well, Come it's, on. Well, that's true. I don't know. They're, like, every, I, it, what is it, every church has to have, like, an uh, uh, artifact? No, there's, oh, in Catholic Catholicism, church? I think it's like every church altar. or something like that. Yeah, they all have some sort of like ancient religious artifact. But like, how many of those can there be? But don't you? Think... How many pieces of the true cross can there possibly be? Well, Let's true. call Sarah and ask her. Sarah will know. Sarah would know. Yep. Melissa would probably know. Although she's not that into Catholicism. Why she won't go on some fake religion? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stupid Protestantism. Methodist. Stupid Methodist. Exactly. Stupid Episcopalian. Mm-hmm. 
which is just Catholics who, who can get married if they're right. a priest. Right. That's all it is. Half, <laughs> half the guilt, twice the fun. <laughs> half the guilt, twice the fun. No, it's a, can you imagine Jesus up in heaven looking down at the Shroud of Turin going, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. He probably yeah, looks me. down at a lot of stuff, goes home. <laughs> he goes, oh, my God. You know, we really needed to rethink this whole free will thing. They yeah. haven't done very oh, well with you, it. Yeah, for real. Imagine how, how out of control free will is now, how Jesus would react. It's like, you kind of missed the whole point here. Well, technically. I don't know what to tell you. The whole point is to see how humans do with free will. I guess it is, so, and they're not hey. doing well, I will tell you that. I will tell you that flat out. But uh, in any case, moving forward with this phenomenal broadcast that we have going, I, I do like doing this show uh, after the morning show because, you know, morning shows a lot of structure and you know, run commercials and do all that stuff, which is great, but it's a whole different feel here. you got a couple of minutes, then you come back, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I did finally, and it was the Washington Post, actually, that did the seven takeaways from the whistleblower. I heard thing. you talk about that. And it's the Washington Post, and they're about as you know, far left as you can get. There's nothing there, Michael. What the hell is this? Well, first, where it comes from. Okay, it comes from a whistleblower who comes forward and says, look, there's a problem here. So that's that's the first issue. And so there's been a group of people who have gone after the whistleblowers saying the whistleblower, you know, has his own agenda. Or her. Um, or her. I think yeah. it's a woman. No, I thought, I thought we confirmed it was a guy. I oh, thought. did they? I, I believe they confirmed it oh, was a guy. I believe. Well, can we know, just I got last as a producer. Can we stick one? with gender neutral? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gender so, neutral. So we don't know. Hey. Beyond that, beyond that, it's significant enough that they got to look at it. I mean, if. I don't mind if, looking at it, but don't waste all our money doing it. Well. God. You know, Norm Coleman had an interesting Facebook post today. Or did he? And you had to read the whole thing to get a full look at it. Because at first, I love Tom. He wanders around a little bit. First, it was a discussion about how there's nothing here and they shouldn't be doing this. But it then gets into a comparison of what happened with Clinton, Mm -hmm. where the House went crazy with it, with stuff not really having anything, and the Senate didn't go along, which is why it didn't go to the end. Right. So. In the big picture, when you look at it, it's kind of a discussion as much of they made a huge mistake and lost the House because they did that. And that may be what Pelosi's going to end up doing if she can't go forward with it. And so it was a bigger look at all of politics than just a simple, you know, one way or the other. And so there's if you just read the first part, it sounds like a defense, but it's not when you look at it overall. Whether or not this is big enough, I don't know. Um, there's a certain amount of the discussions that are, I don't know what they're saying, you know, but he now today said that Pence had phone calls, uh, that there's other phone calls that were made by, uh, multiple phone calls made by Pence. There's some other things that happened with other officials that took place. I don't know what is big the enough or not. What is the difference between that? And I'm not defending Trump at all. I'm not. I'm just trying to figure out how can we stop spending millions and millions of our dollars so health care didn't go up to twenty grand a year now. Yeah. Jeez, 20000 well, a year per, per family. The yeah. good news is it doesn't really cover much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't yeah. cover anything anyway. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But, but so, and I didn't, I'm not railing on him either. Uh, Barack Obama... Was sitting talking to Putin, and he said, "Well, once I get into office, that'll really help a lot." Mm-hmm. You could interpret that as being really filthy. Yeah, oh. and people did. 
and people oh, no, did attack no, him no, for I, it. And I, they ran I, I the video, agree. and they got all upset about it. And and then they decided, eh, I don't think he's really that close to Putin. But did um, they take it? But to if the... we're going to talk about how close to Putin people are, I think there's this guy's really close to Putin. Oh, I understand so. that. Oh, here's Catherine come <laughs> running in. Hello, Catherine. <laughs> Through the door. Catherine Hi. bursting in. Do you want to sit there? You want to sit here? Or? Here's fine. Okay. Here's just fine. Here's fine. We're just discussing the, and by the way, the whistleblower didn't actually hear the conversation. They heard people That's, talking about the conversation. Right. And so how can you be a whistleblower on rumor? I, I don't get that, that part of it. I don't know. But it was a big enough deal to where the whistleblower came forward. and. Yeah, but look who's creating the big enough deal. Who's, I, just well, like the Republicans did with Clinton. There was nothing there, really. Uh, that I could see. I mean, look, there's no question that Bill Clinton forces himself on women. Yeah. He's been doing it his whole life. It, well, and he lied in depositions, which is, depositions. Which is the, didn't help. Uh, the big problem yeah, in just, all that. Is that a problem? Yes. <laughs> lying in depositions <laughs> is wrong. Lie in a deposition. You can't lie in depositions. That's, 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 that's the only time it, you can't lie. It seems apparently. like they yeah, do really. a lot. Can you bump up my volume a little bit? Uh, no, actually. On no? your headphones? Okay. Because you're plugged in over there. I sound oddly hollow. Where, like what everybody sounds odd. What can I do? What can That's I do? That's a good... Well, I'll look at it during the break. We'll tinker with it We'll tinker? Okay. But yeah, so we're just talking about we're not defending Trump, we're not defending the Democrats, we're not defending anyone. I just would like... And the, the difference with the, the Obama thing is it never went in front of the House or the Senate or the Judiciary Committee or any of that stuff. Because there's nothing more about it. But it's just stop wasting all our money by rushing right on the national television with everybody. You know how much money that costs? Oh, I, some of it is a wash because they're going to work anyway. They're going to do this. It's whether or not they're getting this done or that done. It's not like yeah, there's that they, much extra. You know, well, the, the they Papa should be doing John's something productive. Is the whole yeah, thing. that's the productive would be nice. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like any politicians. I like maybe about three, four politicians in the world. The rest of them I can't stand. They're all grandstanding pigs. Who like they'll do anything for money. I'm astounded you can't book more political people on your talk shows. <laughs> I I started talking about this after they wouldn't come on. They, I know. I'm, I'm working on that. I've got you know the Speaker of the House coming on in two weeks. You do? Wow, yep. really? Thanks to Mike. <laughs> oh well. And I in actually there for talked credit. to the governor yesterday, and I'm going to work on. Walls. Yeah, I'm going to work on getting him in here too. Tell me, stop being so silly. He is a little. We'll He's, talk about it in car selling secrets. I was a, he was announcing <laughs> oh, he uh, was. Minnesota joining the California and thirteen other states in their um, emissions. EPA yeah. emissions deal. And he got some of it right and some of it was like surprisingly wrong. But we can talk about that later. I will tell you the one thing I would say is that I don't have anything against Tim Walls. I don't. I mean, he hasn't been in long enough to make any judgment. I've invited him on the show several times, and his people either didn't tell him or he ignored it. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. You didn't tell me you know Jimmy Francis. Well, that's true. That's how if I, I got told him I knew Jimmy Francis. That'd make a huge there difference. You, go. you know, like Jimmy with his adorable wife. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that too. Apparently, I met uh, Mrs. Francis. He met Mrs. Yeah. Francis. Lovely, yeah. lovely woman. Really? Very striking. She's about your size. My size. Beautiful <laughs> smile. Well, no, she's. She's your size. Well, she's tall and thin. <laughs> she has your That's girth. That was hilarious, she's Catherine. She's got your girth. <laughs> she's got your girth. That's oh, God. Real that's nice. right. That's really nice. <laughs> Every woman on the planet thinks they're fat. I forgot that that's how it works. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. to be the case. You know one of the reasons the thing that I love the most <laughs> about my, lo- my wife, Catherine? 
You could look at her and go, you didn't sleep last night. Oh, I know. I just got bangs <laughs> under my eyes like crazy. And I woke up and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Hanging out in the opium room again? Yeah. No, <laughs> hundred and some odd people at my house last night. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And lots of standing around in heels. My feet are killing me. Oh. My back's killing me. You were a wreck like, this morning, weren't you? I'm like, I can't entertain like this anymore. <laughs> It's too much. It's too much. You stuff need a to large scooter like they have at there? Walmart. I don't you know just where whip you around were. the house in that. <laughs> a hover around. And where were you? Wow, <laughs> they took shots at you, not me. I was nice to you. I've been nice I was, the whole time. I'm just saying, where were you? I was nice. I was working, is where I was. I was. I was in St. Cloud uh, 13 hours yesterday. Ugh. I got there at, at 6:15 in the morning. Oh, so you have an excuse to be tired no. too. Mm-hmm. Indeed. My, I just didn't do yoga. Is what I didn't do. I didn't so. see. I didn't see her. Like, when is she there? She well, she said you were surrounded sh- by piles of people. She, she tried was, to. Oh, she tried to get your attention, but you were busy with she bunch came of people from another oh. event. Oh, oh, some lawyer event. A so lawyer. She had a lot event. of events yesterday. We'll talk was about that. Alex tonight. there. Yes. Okay, because mm-hmm. she asked me if Alex was there. I'm like, I, yeah, don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. So. Yeah, you stiffed there. us. Did you? Put... No, I stiffed you. Remember that thing? <laughs> I was in St. Cloud the whole day. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, no, you had whatever a, works. You had a representative from your family, so that's yeah. good. Well, it was very, very nice, actually. Matter of fact, we'll, we'll take a break and come back. I do want to talk a little bit about that event last night because it was so special and pretty amazing. It was really amazing. It was. Really cool. We'll be right back with the family. Tom Bernard here, and here with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website about a customer near where I grew up, North Minneapolis. They were specifically looking for a community bank. That's right, Tommy, Prestige Products. They had been with another community bank, but when their bank was acquired by a large regional bank, the owner felt like they were just seeing his business for the numbers on the page and not really understanding his long-term plans. So we met with a number of community banks in the area, including us. Luke at our branch in Shoreview met with the owner. They hit it off, and Prestige Products chose to work with us. Incidentally, their favorite part of working with Luke is that he gets excited about the same things that are important to them. Having a clear understanding of your long-term goals makes for a great relationship and our difference maker for your business. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Oh, apparently that went out over the air. Whoever voted for him is an idiot. Well, no. 
<laughs> we were down still. A lot of people voted right. for Trump, Tom. Yeah, a lot of people did. Boom. Oh. Wow. I, I just... Uh, we have listeners you know. that like him. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't have anything against Trump. I got nothing against Biden. I got nothing against any of them. I just don't care. They're not my kind of people. They just aren't. You know, I, if you want to be president, you're really not my kind of person. You know. That's fair. But we need presidents, so that all mm-hmm. works out. I'm yeah, sure we're, they're really we're, we're testing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're seeing. It's Alexa, a different world. run the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever think we could Alexa will be running yeah, the country in 50 years. Send all your money years. to Apple. Or Microsoft. Did or you see whoever the new voice of Amazon? Alexa is? I did see that. Samuel that's awesome. L. Jackson. Oh, I, I, I'd almost get it just for that. I can't stand him. He is one of the really? most arrogant human beings I've ever is met he? in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He, is he got arrogant. really big headed once he got famous. Hmm. Well, so did I. <laughs> I hate these mother up and snakes on these mother up and planes. What a great actor. Well, yeah, and it's like he's done some good stuff. Like what? Like Pulp Fiction. He was good in Pulp Fiction, but then every every performance that. after Pulp Fiction was, hey, do Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Except for what, Shawshank Redemption. Red his voice oh, yeah, in that, that was, was really that was good. good. I thought that was Morgan, That's Morgan Freeman. Freeman. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Another black guy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. With the voice. That was my bad. That was the other black guy. Some Negro. Oh, I didn't say that. They all look the same. I'm not Samuel L. Jackson in Rush Hour. No. I'm trying to think. Samuel Jackson, why am I... um, Getting your... Although it'd be totally worth it if the the Alexa or whatever, if they threw out some MFers. Just yeah, like no, did. you can get that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you can. You can get the sanitized version. Yeah, Samuel Jackson's uh, voice. You can get the sanitized Samuel or the full frontal. Really? They probably call it something different. Yeah, I, hope they, 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 I hope they call it something different. Probably but, not full know? frontal. So last night, uh, and Catherine worked very hard. After I told everybody on the morning show, you worked really hard yesterday on this. Well, the, not yesterday? just yesterday. <laughs> I knew it would never be enough. No, after I said worked hard yesterday, I went, oh, God, she's going to, what about the previous 10 years? <laughs> God. So anyway. Just want a little credit. You and Kim <laughs> Valentini and all the people that work at the Smile Network put on a hell of a show. It was unbelievable. Our neighbors are the greatest. Our friends are phenomenal. Yes. yes. Um, but everybody who showed up, every single person was nice as hell. Except for one guy. Apparently, yeah, he, he tried to park, which is a, not a good idea. Fitz no, had a golf good. cart running people around from uh, the street. We have very little parking on our street. And well, and they got the moat. And you got the moat. You got the moat. Yeah. That's so true. you know you have to take a cruise ship over to the house. So. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> he yes. he was like really upset. And he, he he was like screaming and carrying on. And Fitz is like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Where the fuck can I park?" Oh. And this is like, uh, I'm not the I'd help here. I probably suggest here. Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm not the help here. You know, there's there's spots on the road and He's I'll drive you down. Yeah, let's yeah. swear to God, I know. six yeah. foot six and weighs about three, four. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess yeah. let's put that gigantic head right in the window. He's like, I got out of the golf cart and was like, excuse me, sir. Yeah, he does have a big head. To That's when you just that. say where the sun don't shine. Yeah. That's yeah. what you yeah. do. That's where you park. I guess he calmed him down. And that was the only incident but of the But I don't know who that night. would have been, even. I have no idea. But no whoever idea it was... Either. Chill out, man. Yeah, you don't want to be yelling at Fitz. It's and not it's a, good a charity idea. event, and you know what? If you're five minutes late, or then you think you should be, it's okay. It's it was an open house thing. It wasn't yeah. like a 
presentation. We had a bunch of friends over. Like I said, our neighbors, pretty, all, pretty much all of them you invited showed up. It was I, very cool. I don't even know. I don't even think I saw everybody. No. At one point, well, it was just like, it was pretty packed. Did you invite the girl in the wheelchair going across the water? There's what? a girl in a wheelchair Yeah, the one the that was talking to you that was like, Talking to you that one day that about where your house was. The, oh yeah, yeah. Actually, no, she was. Uh, I believe yeah. at the Courage Center. We yeah, did she not. Was at the we do Center. not know her name. Oh, she's okay. Otherwise, I would have invited. Her. <laughs> okay. Do you hear about this one, Dougie? <clears throat> There's a woman, the young lady in a wheelchair. She was just the at the Center. park. You didn't invite the naked guys. You didn't invite the naked oh, guys. Oh, for sure. I was like, come on over. Put your put your schwanz out if you're over here. But anyway. Um, there's a young woman in a wheelchair sitting down, just looking at the lake. and we Smoking walked, and looking. Smoking and looking. <laughs> and she was there with her mother. And and I don't, I, I'm trying to say this. You'd have to maybe be there, so I don't mean to sound like a dick. But she just goes, so do you live in this neighborhood? And we go, yeah, we, we live in the neighborhood. And she goes, how much is your rent? <laughs> I went, oh. Oh, God. She's a poor young woman. Yeah, I mean, she's a poor person. Only a poor person would ask you that. Yeah. It's true. I mean, it's really kind of sad, actually. It's like, oh. I know. As soon as she said that, I was just like, Isn't it interesting when things are put into perspective like that? Like, Sage Sage and I go to ECFE Thursday mornings, which is just like a little class for an hour and 45 minutes. And we went out in the playground with the class, and the, uh, there was another class outside of the, the playground. the main streets of West Bloomington? Yep, the main streets of West Bloomington. Damn right. But there was another class that was out in the playground, and they were probably all about five, six years old, but it was uh, like seven boys that all had developmental delays, and they each had a para with them, and like they had to, some of them had to be moved to like the out side of the playground and have their ears covered and stuff and just watching all that and like doing something Mm -hmm. like one of them had a sticker chart thing where when he wanted to swing more or be all done he had like he pulled the sticker off of the chart because he couldn't speak and stuff it's just like that kind of stuff is just so you're like wow i am one lucky bastard. That's exactly (laughs) right and not enough people do that alex a lot more people should do that hey you know what Things are pretty terrific. Yeah, it's so, like. Crazy. Did you guys auction off stuff? Is that what? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There was a silent auction. Being on the podcast was an auction item. Oh really? Yep. And somebody what? did the buy it now. Oh. Mm. Didn't even have to. Was it wasn't you? the lowest bid no, or anything. Me. Do we split the four dollars or does it all <laughs> yeah. go to Tom? Yeah. Somebody told me that you were the one who did that. Well, no, I didn't do the buy it now. I put my name on just so it didn't look pathetic if nobody bid on it. I usually do that podcast. when, you know, I'm at a silent auction event yeah. and I see that, like, nobody's really bid. I usually, like, stick my name on stuff just to get things rolling. Yeah, because people will see, like, oh, the lowest price. Else? Yeah, and then well, people, yeah. and it's true. Mm-hmm. Then you go back around and then all of a sudden people put their yep. names on stuff. So well, I, had an item. I was a shill for the podcast. The shill for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> somebody ended up just buying it. Yeah. I had an item for you but we never connected so oh next year and i i thought of this because some people on our dock did it they uh they had a similar thing at their church and they raffled off a boat ride and a wine cruise in their boat and i thought that was really oh we could have done that but i didn't next year (laughs) we We have friends katie harms who's been on the show Um, she's on bob's show they um had their <coughs> cabin up for five days, a five day stay at their cabin, which is a beautiful it cabin. It is a beautiful cabin. And, and it's not far of the. Fitz did a, a musky trip. Musky thing, yeah. With his gear and stuff. And my brother actually bid on that. 
Yeah, the he was Terry. Like, he was the like, that, yeah, he was like, I think I got the musky trip, and I'm like, with Fitz. Well, good luck with any muskies because Fitz is going to talk the entire time. Right, yeah, <laughs> he's not going to come near the boat. No, that's very true. But yeah, but really, really nice people. I'd... And then Cass and Andy Stillman did a yeah, they, dinner for twelve nice. with a fancy fourteen. Chef. Now. 14. Wow. Oh, I want to go to that. Would you bid on it? They can probably oh, squeeze you yeah, in. Say, can it's, I a, it's at a steakhouse. Oh, well. Yes, it's a There's steak usually a salmon. A baked potato. Yeah. Grilled That's asparagus. Exactly it's fine. Uh, what else? Fine. We Rice. had all kinds of stuff. There was just yeah, there was all a lot of stuff. kinds there was, of stuff. This thing... I, the wine wall was that I think that's such a good idea for people that don't I've, I've have seen that in the last few years at so it was just events. A, it was a big table of wine just like a red blend whatever wine and it was like you just pay 20 bucks and you get a bottle of wine and 100 percent of the proceeds went to the charity so it's like for people that don't want to spend right, hundreds or right. thousands mm-hmm. of dollars it's like oh at least I can do something and here's my charity wine. Like, you know. Right. William bid on like, everything. You can feel good when you're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> this is charity for the children. William Humphreys told me he bid on everything. Did he? That's Perfect. what he told me. He I think he everything. might have done the buy it now thing for the dinner. I think he did do he the buy and it. I now had so it. we have to put up with his crowd again? Oh my God. Not him again. He and no, I they're had. Very, they're so nice. We talked. I met, I met him for the first time. And we talked, and he was like, "Why are you so aggressive towards me?" And I was like, "Don't talk." They had a fight. (laughs) First time she meets William Humphrey, she starts their fighting. Well, okay, so I was I was getting (laughs) delivery to the house because the event started at four and it was eight p.m. and I was like, "I need to eat something because it was just like past light hors d'oeuvres." Yeah. So I was like, "I need food," and so he was right next to me, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna order Smash Burger because they have really good veggie burgers." Oh, okay. And they're, fri- and they're and they're fries. Yeah. This just in. They have a really good black bean burger, and their okay. fries are really good. No, I so didn't. I was like, I need something hearty. And he was like, Smash Burger, and I was like, What? He's, He's like, she You didn't mean know Five that, Guys? He's yeah, a Five Guys. Right. Know. Yeah, five yeah. Of them. No idea. And I was like, Listen, William. Of course you had to say that in front of William. Well, and I was <laughs> like, I was like, Listen, exactly. William. Five Guys doesn't have good vegetarian options. I'm not sure what to tell you. And his wife goes. See? Yeah. I was oh, like, Christa, Christa I like it. it's, a, it's a sad grilled cheese. Oh, that's it. A sad grilled cheese. Yeah, it's horrible. Every, so everybody it's should like, have a it's good a, veggie it's burger. It's like a couple slices of Kraft singles under an inside out hamburger mm. bun. It's like really why, pathetic. Why, why would vegetarians be heading off to Five Guys? Even? Because you go with other people that want a burger yeah. and you want to be part of it. Because Five Guys was closed. Well, like, exactly. Grilled cheese, I mean. Well, I buy, but it's closed. not good. Like, I, I have never okay, gone to a Five Guys. keep saying bad things about Five Guys. No. We like these really people. Lucas loves we Five Guys. We like William. A lot of people like the... He would go like there every the, day if he could. No, I'm just saying they're vegetarian. Loves five Guys. You I'm like Five Guys. It's on your oh, list, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. oh, no. People that eat meat love Five Guys. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But for vegetarians, awesome. it's just there's just only one sat up. And I did really like the fact, because Chris, uh, Chris was there, too. Chris Humphreys was there. He is a tall human being. Well, Chris Humphreys is tall. very tall. <clears throat> there were a lot of really tall people there. There were, like, six people well over I'm six cultivating five. taller six, friends, six, yep. so I don't <laughs> feel so tall. You're manifesting <laughs> taller friends. But I got about half the women... <laughs> would come through and he go, so who is that? I went, who? Chris Humphreys. Uh, oh, really? He's a pretty handsome guy. I mean, you get, you know, you got to admit. Tall. He's very tall. He's very tall. But yeah, they I was standing next to him and I was just like, how tall is he? He's almost seven feet. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's 6'11". That's yeah, what 6'11", I think. playing size so was. Yeah, he's leaned tall. over the 
island talking to you, and he was just I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> I, know, I was like, okay, what is well, this? well, the happening? weird thing is when he got there. Yeah, they came walking in. I went over and hugged them. I basically was hugging his hips. I was gonna say, yeah, just like oh, awkward, really, awkward. It really wasn't. <laughs> well, I'm not kidding. You. That kind of part of it. Wait, it's supposed to be your chest. I'm supposed to be hugging your wow. chest, wow. not your crotch. Well, he, pro- oh he probably God. has to like really yeah. lean down to. Oh, he he was very uncomfortable with the whole thing too. I'm like. Yeah, Oops. maybe that's Sorry. my... Well, yeah. I'm too tall to I'm hug. I'm going to fist bump next time. High there you go. five. Low high five, five for low you. Low five for you. Yeah, high <laughs> five for me, low five for you. But I did want to thank everybody involved. Kim Valentini does an incredible job. Oh, All my God. People, they work their butts wonderful. off to get this stuff done. And uh, la- the first, the initial count is 12,000 raised. Great. Good. Which is which the highest is ever. Highest ever for a smile... Uh, House of Smiles House event. Of House of Smiles, Smiles event. Yeah. So that was awesome, and I'm sure we'll get a better count today or a final count today. But they, yeah, people were buying stuff. They had it was it was good. It was and really good. One thing I need to mention is that we were told that 60 people were coming and 120 showed up. Wow! So the food was a little. So a little thanks short. for that, late RSVPers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks. So half the people were cool. <laughs> no, the, the people no, could not have been better. Seriously, I didn't. They were so no, great. There was like. People were just hanging out in the back, just drinking wine, sitting, you know, just having it. They were just relaxing. It was really, it was fun. There was just a lot oh, yeah. of milling around. It was great. Thank you to everyone with that. Yes. Can we, should we bring David on now and then take a break in a couple of minutes and yeah. come back and do the whole thing? David Dalmatian, <laughs> how you doing, man? Hey, it's so good to be back, man. How are you? David, I got to tell you something. The last time we had you on, I watched the movie. Holy Hannah. <laughs> Had a little bit of a spin at the end there, David. <laughs> Holy Hannah. I'm doing that phrase, by the way. I love that. Well, thanks for watching it, man. Actually, last time we were on, we got pretty deep, and I been I thought I was when we were getting ready to come back, I was like, man, I got to bring some good jokes. I got to bring something a little lighter because Tom has me on, and I just take him down a deep, dark hole, and then I make him watch my movie, and he's just probably like, what is this guy doing? How, David, how did you develop that look you get in your eye where it's like, I'm going to kill someone? <laughs> My, that you know, look is scary. Uh, the, the first time uh, that I... My, my wife forgot to bring the diaper bag, and my son had a blowout in the back of the car. Those are always fun. <laughs> That's where that no, look I, came I, from. I pulled into the, the car detailing place, and I handed the guy 100 bucks, and he was all excited. And then he opened the back door, and he looked at me with that same look. And I stole that look, and I've been using it ever since. We'll take a very quick break. David Dell's smashing with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter number one. David, right back with us in just a couple of minutes with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. 
Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Werewolves, I get it. Monsters. He's doing werewolves. David Desmolchin with us, ladies and gentlemen. Crowley, Count Crowley, reluctant midnight monster hunter number one. We are just talking to David about uh, that little spin at the end of the movie. Well, I don't know if it's another. I said a little spin at the end of the movie, but God, what a sad moment that was. I'll just yeah, all creatures I, down uh, below is the name of the movie, right? Right. Or here um, below. All uh, creatures here below. All creatures here below. Yeah, here yeah. Great. All creatures here below. Great. And uh, thank you, man. It was um, my, I, you know, I, 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 I'm a, uh, that was a story, a dark story, obviously, that lived inside my, my brain for a very long time. And yeah. And getting a chance to finally make it and getting mm-hmm. the great Karen Gillan to play that role of Ruby. I mean, she's the equivalent in my creative mind of that character. Like, what I wanted to achieve with, like, a Lenny of, of Mice and Men, except, you know, something with a totally different twist on it. And, and Karen is just so great and i i appreciate it man it means a lot thank you for watching i'm that. not kidding you it was a really really good movie you guys were all everybody in it was really really good too a little depressing you. you know david but yeah. Uh, yeah. you know don't worry about me <laughs> so anyway i want to hear about count crawley what's what's the late no this is a well, new I'm comic bro- book yeah story. man i'm gonna lighten your spirits hopefully a little bit uh <laughs> count crawley is on the surface it's a horror comic and that's true i mean i grew up i grew up in kansas city with my local creature feature host was called was named cremation mortem and she was showing us all the old bella lugosi and Karloff movies and i loved that world and i always yeah. dreamed of of telling a story about someone who hosts the creature feature but their secret identity is actually that they're protecting us from monsters well in this comic that i've created um my main character jerry bartman she wants to be a big, hard-hitting, investigative, respected journalist, but she is she's basically just spiraling out, and things are not going well for her. She's drinking herself into oblivion, and the only job she can get is taking over for the uh, the MIA host of the late-night creature feature on this small-town TV station. And so she does it very reluctantly. She's very embarrassed to take the job, and when she does, discovers that the guy who she's replacing was actually one of the last monster hunters that humanity has at its, uh, you know, to save us. And so it's been, it's been a dream. I mean, I've been reading comics, you guys, since I was 12 on a very, you know, collecting them pretty seriously. And, and, and the fact that now I've got a comic that's hitting shelves in October and that it's all the things I love, monsters, and there's a redemption story in here for my hero. And you guys know I've been on before, talked about my struggle with addiction and, and, and depression, and I get to really go into some fun you know not probably some serious issues but at the same time it's not a i don't want to i'm not here to preach i'm not here to to make it a message comic book it's really at the end of the day about this woman figuring out how she can uh stop monsters from hurting herself and and her family and uh it's just it's just a cool moment i don't know what else i don't know how to describe it right now my wife and i were just looking at all this artwork the other day and i'm going I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed. I get to do so many cool things as an actor and now as a writer. And uh, this is definitely, for me, one of the greatest things I've ever been able to achieve uh, as a storyteller. 
I think it's fantastic. You get all these things going, whether it's the movies or, or comic books or whatever. You kind of do what you do. Um, I don't know a lot of a lot of people that work as hard as you do. You're a very hardworking guy. Well, thanks. You know, I, I, I started behind the eight ball. I always felt very, like, I, I spent many years, you know, uh, just a full-blown full, full blown addict, and I lost a lot of time uh, to my disease. And then when I finally got in, to recovery and I started to take care of myself and I started to get back to living the life that I believe I was meant to live. And I started to, you know, actually follow my calling and uh, this miracle that God worked in my life. I all of a sudden was able to stand on my own two feet. And then I looked and I go, Oh my gosh, I've lost 10 years that everybody else had in their pursuit of their dreams and their careers. So I do have a kind of fire under my butt. Plus going back to my kids, you know, once you have those kids, you know, when you have those kids, you got to step up that game, man. And, uh, so I, uh, but I am really grateful. I'm going to actually fly back to Kansas City uh, next month to the shop that I grew up going to where I found all my early heroes. I'm going to get to buy Count Crowley on the, the shelf at Clint's Comics in Kansas City. It's going to be kind of a moment, you know? I want you to go by Arthur Bryant's and tell him I said hello. Oh, I will. Oh, oh, you don't have to ask me to do that. I'll be, <laughs> I, I give you a little tour. I got some good my wife barbecue. And I like to oh. The barbecue tour when we get to Kansas City. Oh, I got a couple stops. Yeah. yeah, you go to Gates Barbecue, but Arthur Bryant's is one of my favorite of all time because they just put that paper down on the old cafeteria yep. tray and you get the fries and the ribs and it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's a special place, man, yeah. In it fact, really I went is. there to celebrate uh, Clint's Comics, uh, the store that I grew up going to. They had a 50th anniversary uh, and we celebrated by going out to Arthur Bryant's a couple of years ago. It was pretty awesome. Very um, smart. But yeah. It, and they, they let me, the, the comic book company that's publishing this Dark Horse, they really let me push the boundaries. But it's also, there is comedy inherent in the story. And I think that, um, so hopefully people who haven't picked up a comic in a long time, or if they're wary of, oh, is this just a, a spooky horror comic? I, I like to think that it's much, much more than that. And um, and I, and I yeah, it's, and it comes out just in time. For Halloween. Halloween. is when we hit the shelf, yes. I think it's wonderful. So the the comic books are aimed at people of all ages? All ages. Uh, I would, uh, if you're a parent listening, I would say um, 13 and up. I mean, it's definitely not, there there are monsters. My artist is a genius named Lucas Kettner. He's done a bunch of great comics over the years. And I wanted the monsters to look and move and feel like, the monsters we grew up and we know, uh, like the werewolf, the, the vampire, etc. So that's a little scary, obviously. And um, the fun twist that we put on it here is that monsters have been infiltrating our society for generations and spinning kind of like fake news into the media. So everything you think you know about them is a lie. Werewolves can't be stopped with a silver bullet and vampires can't be stopped with a wooden stake. Um, but there's no heavy language. Um, there is definitely, though, you know, some adult situations and the scariness of the monsters. So I would, I don't think my five, I mean, my five-year-old has already, like, basically seen all the art because it comes and I want to frame it all and put it on my shelf. But I, I wouldn't uh, give it <laughs> to a little kid because it's pretty scary. So do you have any characters in your book, like, say, a, uh, like a, a radio station radio manager who, who, like, sucks oh, yeah. the blood out of the on-air talent? Well, here's... <laughs> Real plot point in my in my in my series in my show, and I'm hoping this will be going to, to, to other mediums as well. But like, basically, these these monsters are trying to uh, to 
to turn all the station managers around the country into zombies because they want to control <laughs> news and information. So our hero has to I, literally. I'm sorry. You know, and her brother manages the little station where she works. So that's the reason she ends up becoming the monster because she wants nothing to do with this craziness. But then when she realizes that her brother, who is kind of her last hope at, 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 a, at a life, and he's the only person that never gave up on her, uh, that he's being targeted, that's when she finally goes, all right. I'm going to get sober. I'm going to figure out how to fight these monsters. And, and then, of course, her brother, when the first time she shows up with her car smashed because she was fighting a werewolf and she can't tell him that, thinks, you are drinking again. You crashed your car. And she's like, no, you just don't understand. I was protecting your family uh, from a werewolf. And that makes me sound even more like a drunk. So I'm just going <laughs> to Well, that's really good, David. David, what, what time is your heart on? I want to make sure I don't hold you too long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in three minutes, and I'll tell you what's fun is I'm on set right now in Wilmington, North Carolina, shooting this killer new series for Hulu called Reprisal, which premieres in December. And I'm in. I wish we were. Uh, I had a photo that I wouldn't be under an NDA. They'll break my back if I send it to you. But I'm right now in full character makeup costume as I'm talking to you, and this show is so cool it's 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 like nothing you've ever seen on tv before it reminds me of kind of the tarantino style it's um david lynch i i mean it is it is so neat and uh and i really love this character that i'm playing on it it's it's called reprisal it, it premieres on hulu in december and it's going to be on basically every uh all the episodes are going to drop at one time in december so you guys will get to watch all 10 episodes uh when it premieres and it's called reprisal excited. Reprisal. I cannot wait to see it. It'd be wonderful. You know, you brought up Quentin Tarantino. Every time I hear Quentin Tarantino's name, I think I was working for Capitol Records back in the uh, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. And there were a couple of pianists named uh, Ferranti and Teicher. They had actually a couple of top 40 hits, as a matter of fact. Do you remember Ferranti and Teicher at all, Doug? I don't. Their albums, it was their their, their final albums that were so ridiculous and awesome. But yeah, they were swinging, man. They had it down. But the greatest thing is I, I, I go in to meet them backstage, and the, the, the promotion guy out of New York, well, he's actually out of the tri-state area of New York. I walk in, and he's <laughs> going to introduce me. And a guy kind of talks like this, right? So there's Ferranti and Teicher sitting on the couch, and I walk back to meet them. And a guy from New York goes, hey, Tommy, how you doing? Let me introduce you to our special guest here, Tarantino and Fetcher. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, Ferranti and Teicher, Tarantino and Fetcher. You know what? But they're <laughs> close. And they looked at him like, what? <laughs> God, it was unbelievable. That's oh, my life, David. Good. David, come back more often. Now, are you going to come back on and talk to us about your, your TV show as well? I would love to. Yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff in, in, in the works. And, um, and yeah, check out Count Crowley, October 23rd, comic shops everywhere. Uh, and then. Have an amazing rest of the day. I love talking to you, and, and your family's amazing, and it's just great to, to be here. So thanks for having me on. You're a good man. And by the way, that closing scene still haunts me to this day. So thanks for that, David. <laughs> thank you. Right, now I go back to set. They're knocking on my trailer door. Right. You got it, man. Uh, thank you, David. Have a great day, sir. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. He's in full gear waiting to go back on the set. He is a great guy. If you've not seen All Creatures Here Below... It I is, haven't seen it. Oh, man. It's really sad. Yeah, he, he's really good at getting that creep factor going down. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and he's going to be in the new Suicide Squad. So yeah, he's going to play right. the polka dot man. He should. He's a great actor. Yeah, he's great. He's a very intense guy, but in the, mm-hmm. in this movie, he and his girlfriend, I guess it is, they're, they decided they're gonna, they have to go on the run because he robbed somebody or some damn I don't even remember what he did, mm-hmm. but they're on the run. And she keeps talking about, I want to have a baby. I want to have a baby. He goes out to do something else, comes back, and she has a baby. Mm, he goes, yeah. where'd you get the baby? Remember <laughs> oh, that, God, Catherine? I do. Oh, my God, was that creepy. So she's got a baby. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. Things fall apart. It wasn't like raising Arizona. Uh, no, no, okay. no, no, it was things not. Things fall apart. <laughs> and the sad Rapidly. thing about it is there's. Oh man, I yeah. I I'd love to talk about the ending, but it just it would ruin it for anybody yeah, who's going to watch the movie. That's some serious. Darkness. Where can you see that? Is it on Amazon Prime? I don't know. I don't remember where we. I'll have to. Do all it. creatures here below. Something. I, I think an, I know an attorney that's looking it up right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's got a really good, fun, you know, lighthearted side to him too. David. Yeah. Great guy. You'd yeah. never really know watching his movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, you'd never know he had a light side watching that movie. Yeah. But there that that closing scene is like, oh my God. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's all I have to say. What it's else did true. we just see that was really good? I don't know. I'm too tired to oh, think like about it. Prime, anything. YouTube, Google Play, Voodoo. Oh, on everything. Yep. So You can find it. You can find it on everything. That works for me. Oh, we watched A Dog's Journey, which was very difficult. We talked about that before. but uh, We talked about it with Tim. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, very tear jerky movie. Tear jerky. It was tear yeah, jerky. You and your phone call to Tim. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, I hate you. Now. I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> that's pretty much how I did sound, too, by the way. It was bad. Well, it was just a great movie because everybody, you know, it was about humans loving one another and they love their dog and their dog loves them and well, they're fighting and dogs are good people they are okay dogs are they're good better people. Than, they're better than most they're better than people <laughs> dogs are better people than people some of is them. that what you're saying andy's breaking through the door wow yeah. Wow. I think what he's got a phone all? call my god what was that all about kind of call this would business he need to <laughs> Dark. Wow. I, I told know. you, I, I'll get the money to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's That's kind of what it looked like. You can't call me doesn't... at work. Wow. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help. Those doors won't let you in or out. Well, this know. one is sticking. I yeah. had it. That's Although why I... it sounded like I burst. Yeah, was... I was like... yeah, I've had to hip check it a few yeah. times. Yeah. Doug showed open. me how to get in it now. That's right. So. We move a oh. week from tomorrow, don't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, we better get a table. <laughs> yeah. I thought you went over to, to Fogarty's or whatever I, it's called. Fogarty's. What's As it a matter of fact, I should Tarantino's. just all pop over there Tarantino. right after the show <laughs> and, and get them to do the... Over to Fogarty's? Yeah. Are we yeah. moving? What, when are we moving? Week exactly? from tomorrow. What, yeah. what day is Friday. that? Okay. Friday the 4th. Oh. After the show. Oh. Okay. What's wrong with that? Well, there's some painting and carpeting things to do, so... We still haven't done that? I've been okay. working on it. Things have been happening. I've got a snow. Yeah, things have been happening. Cal- right Calvacade of events. Cavalcade. Cavalcade. Next thing we know, he's going to want to 
power. A shot to the <laughs> Sprinthal no. bow was right. Round two, ding, ding. I knew I had an hour, so I <laughs> used it. And That's I got, fine. And I showed up early. I talked to Doug. We had a very nice talk. We're talking baseball. We were talking baseball. What See? about it? Their rivalry is fastball. Who's telling me all about this documentary? It's really, really good. Oh, really? It's, it's probably three years old. They they track pitchers from Walter P. Johnson all the way to Chapman, and they try to figure out who's the fastest pitcher of all oh, time. Really? Because the way they measure it, and it's really good. They've got you know Johnny Benches and Hank Ryan. Aaron's in it. It is. Well, it is actually. Well, it's got to be Nolan yeah, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, who the hell? Nobody even came close. Well, well Chapman, Chapman, Chapman has really the cool. highest recorded number. Oh, that they've they've actually where they've they've used a gun and recorded the, the, this. They talk about the differences in the way they record. So. Oh, okay. But it's really interesting because they you know they interview all these guys. There's, a, there's about a half an hour interview with Bob Gibson. Which oh, phenomenal! Retired with what? One point six two. I think it was one four and sixty eight, something like that. Holy and he talked, God! Him and, him and Goose Gossage are talking about how they intimidate people. And oh yeah, Hank Aaron's. It. It's, it's called oh, fastball. Hank, Hank Aaron's line. Yes. So I'll tell this quickly. There, there. Some hitters think that certain pitchers can throw a fastball that actually rises, and these physicists are saying, "No, nah, it's, it's not possible." possible yeah, and right. this is what's really going on. Right. And Hank in the interview, Hank Aaron, and they tell him this. He goes, "You know, I've never met a physicist that could hit a fastball. They can't even hit a hanging curve." <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that is the part of baseball that, that that people need to pay attention to because no other sport has that kind of thing. Well, what they, they talk know? about, it's the extreme of the human ability to throw a ball mm-hmm. matched with the extreme of a human uh, being able to pick it up and actually hit it. Yeah. Have you ever tried just, to hit Major League Pitching? I have. Yeah. Me too. Virtually impossible. Good luck to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say to you. Hey, I got that almost back to the pitcher's mound. That yeah. was pretty good. <laughs> I, I went into a batting cage a couple of years ago, and I figured, well, Wakefield can throw 80, so we'll, we'll do it. Wow, 80 like, That's fast. well, okay. About the time that last one went by, she'd be thinking about hitting the next yeah. one. Yeah. And maybe we'll get a piece of it. <laughs> Start swinging now, exactly. <laughs> we'll take a break. Be back with cars and the secrets. By the way, if Jerry shows up with Chow, you're not getting any. Oh, yeah, okay. Because you're fine. abandoning us. That's fine. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> we'll be back with the family. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. 
In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Oh, that's right. We got to play this because it's Dean Martin's birthday too. So it's yes. Prince, Prince, Everybody Tom Jones, and Dean Martin. Prince, Tom Jones, and Dean Martin. All musical geniuses. Well, Tom Jones, I don't know. <laughs> Women think he is. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. I've never thrown my underwear out of the No. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our very, very special guest today, and the timing of this is, is pretty amazing. So I do appreciate your time today, Dave Itzkoff. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for uh, having me on. I will tell you, you, you basically have saved me, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I, I think God hates me. And I'm not even all oh, that I doubt that. I doubt that. Come on. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> uh, the Reels channel, R-E-E-L-Z, did a three-hour thing, a uh, one-hour and then a separate two-hour thing on Robin Williams. And I recorded them, all three hours of it, both shows. And mm-hmm. I watched them um, the night before Kate Spade. So uh, I was very depressed because I I loved Robin Williams. I thought he was an amazing, amazing performer. What a great yeah. talent. Uh, and then finding out all these things about Robin Williams, which we were about to talk about, I, I was kind of depressed about it anyway. And I'm sitting here on the show uh, that was Tuesday, correct? I believe right. so. We're sitting here Tuesday, and my wife said, Kate Spade just killed herself. I was like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? And then I find out she did it exactly the same way. She used a scarf, whereas Robin used a belt. But, um, Dave, I'm sure you know this already, but one of the last pictures ever taken, public pictures ever taken of Robin Williams, was at the Dairy Queen in Lindstrom, Minnesota, because he was at Hazelden. Uh, That's treat- right. Yeah. And, and so there's a picture of him. He was nice enough to take a picture of the, the, the young lady who worked at Dairy Queen. So we saw this picture, and we're like, oh, how great is this? Look at how nice this man is. And he, he came in to, to get a checkup. And then a couple of days later, he was dead. And, and it, yeah. it was shocking. So, so I, I felt terrible watching those three hours on Monday night. I wanted to watch it. I learned a lot about him, both good and some things that aren't all that great, because he was human. And then the Kate Spade thing happened the next day. So now today, so within a four-day period, I was lost at sea, and now David Scoff is here to, to save me. So I appreciate well, that, Dave. <laughs> I will try to live up to that uh, introduction. But, uh, no, I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's a lot to uh, take in, a lot to process. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard when we, uh, when we lose people like this and yeah. in, in ways that uh, we can't comprehend when we, we sort of realize – uh, we don't know what's going on entirely in, in their lives, the parts of their lives that we can't see. We don't know what's taking place. And, uh, you know, we, we, we can't help but uh, internalize that either. That, uh, you know, we take, right. we, we, you know, we, 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 of course, want to know why. We want, we want explanations. We want sort of logical answers. And, and, you know, I don't know that they're 
uh, they're not always, uh, you know, readily available to us. There aren't always sort of clear answers. I know that, you know, even in the case of Kate Spade, I, you know, we don't really know all the circumstances. There were a lot of conclusions that were jumped to, yeah. uh, you know, with uh, Robin's death. And, uh, you know, it led to certain conversations that I think were uh, positive and, and helpful for sort of the general public. But in, in some ways, I think it also created kind of misperceptions uh, about you know what happened in in the case of his death, and that those were uh, you, you know his was a case that uh, you know went beyond depression and and uh, the, you know wasn't necessarily a situation where sort of you know the rules of uh, you know mental health and, and what to do in these cases would have necessarily applied. No question about. It. Uh, David Skoff, it's I-T-Z-K-O-F-F. The book is called Robin, The Definitive Biography. The Definitive Biography, an untold story of Robin Williams. A great book, as a matter of fact. Uh, Robin Williams was a beloved entertainer, and when he died suddenly in August 2014 at the age of 63, his passing stunned millions in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, In addition to that whole thing, what I just told you about, uh, Robin Williams and I were the exact same age. Which, oh goodness! Yeah. Which made me sit back and go, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Yeah, he's awfully yeah. young to be doing that. Uh, I mean, yeah, he was, I think, a couple of months older than me. That was about it. So I, I thought about that as well. Then you learned sure. about the Louis Body Syndrome and all these other things. But you, uh, how long did it take you to write the book? Uh, it was a th- about a three and a half year, four year process yeah. total. I mean, I, I yeah. spent maybe about a year to a year and a half. Uh, you know, just focusing on the the reporting of it, just uh, getting trying to get a sense of you know who uh, might be comfortable talking to me, waiting for people who obviously you know had had really uh, suffered uh, a tragedy and and of course needed uh, you know time I think to to process what they had uh, been through and and also uh, you know waiting out uh, there was a there was a terrible. Uh, legal dispute within within oh, his family yeah. over uh, you know some matters related to his estate. So while that was taking place, I was talking to uh, people who knew Robin at, at earlier stages of his life. Uh, I mean, friends going all the way back to uh, you know grammar school and uh, educators, teachers he had had, people he'd worked with on various uh, projects, uh, and and also spending time with a. Um, he had an archive, uh, just you know, correspondence and uh, personal papers, all of the the scripts that he uh, had collected in his career uh, that he had archived at Boston University. So I spent time uh, kind of looking at all that and seeing what was there, and then uh, uh, after all the reporting, uh, spent probably another year or so just writing and and still talking to people even as I was writing. Uh, and and again, it took probably about you know three and a half years or so. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've been doing this uh, morning show and then the afternoon show now. Uh, I've been in radio for 48 years. And so I've wow. met just about everybody who's ever done anything in the entertainment business. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. so I get a lot of calls from people going, what is this all about? Because I think for the average woman and man who are going to work every day at the broom factory and, and you know, they're living a, a happy enough life. But they don't have a lot of money. They don't have, and they look at this and say, "He had everything. Why would you do yeah. this?" And I, and I try to explain to them, it, it's just the reason they do it in the first place is what causes them to eventually do what they do. It's this drive that they get. They're driven. I mean, Robin Williams won how, how many Oscars did he win? 
I know he won a Tony uh, he won, Yeah, yeah, he won one. He, he won. was okay. nominated four times. Four. Uh, you know, three three times as a leading actor and and uh, one finally as a supporting actor. Yeah. And that's where he won as a supporting actor. Yeah, yeah, for uh, Good Will Hunting. Great movie. He was perfect for that. Yeah. So people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which is, uh, which is interesting because. The genie might arguably be his most iconic role oh, for a lot of people. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I think that's that's a wonderful performance. I mean, that that is just so you, you need somebody who can kind of uh, mm-hmm. just go to uh, every you know every planet in the galaxy all at once, and uh, you know he really took full advantage of that character. He did indeed. Uh, hopefully, you'll get a quick laugh, good laugh out of the out of this one because. I, 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 we used to live at 20th Street and 2nd Avenue in New York. I did, I did voiceover for decades. Uh, so, you know, had a wonderful time. But I do remember when that movie Aladdin came out, um, or actually before it came out, I was sitting down waiting to cut a bunch of commercials. I don't remember for who, but one of the other voiceover talents come, uh, talent comes in. He sits down next to me. He's like, oh, my God. I said, what's the matter with you? And he goes... This world, the world is just not fair. And I said, why is the world not fair? He said, uh-huh. this, this movie Aladdin, they cast the movie Aladdin today, and they chose Robin <laughs> Williams. I would have been much better at that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, why don't you settle down? So I'm glad you got a laugh right. out of that, Dave, because I sure did. I'll yeah, yeah. I, I, my my apologies to your uh, <laughs> your your colleague there, but I don't think the role was ever uh, destined to be his. I'm I'm, I'm no. sorry to, to tell him. Dave, what you first heard of Robin Williams taking his own life? What were what was your? Obviously, you're a fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd written about him on a few occasions for the Times, and uh, you know, I, I the longest piece that I did with him, I had gone on the road with him for a few days. Mm. Uh, you know, when he was doing what what would become a, essentially his last uh, comedy tour, it was a tour called Sel- uh, Weapons of Self Destruction, and yeah. it was, uh, you know, the 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 tour itself was all about uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, difficult experiences he'd had in the last couple of years of, of uh, you know, falling off the wagon and relapsing into alcoholism, getting sober, uh, having a very tough uh, divorce, and then even having open heart surgery, which, uh, you know, it happened basically when he when he first uh, tried to start the tour and started having these heart problems and needed to have valve replacement surgery. So, uh, you know, I mean, he was very candid in, in, in the stand-up shows about how he talked about these things. Certainly in our interviews, he was very open. So, uh, you know, of course, it was pretty devastating to think that somebody who had endured all of this and, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, for his life to uh, to have ended that way. But again, you know, we didn't know uh, all the, the circumstances at, at the time in terms of... Uh, you know the disease that he had, and right. and uh, you know I think as sad as it is, I think it was logical that uh, you know people wanted to make the connection that you know he he took his life sort of out of uh, pain and and desperation, and it may have been the case, but it could have also been uh, you know a situation where he didn't entirely know what he was uh, doing or right. knew who he was at the time or what you know it may have been a kind of terrible fleeting impulse that that he acted on we just don't know yeah because all, all the documentaries you see they talk about the fact that he he his, they had canceled the crazy ones uh he his movies weren't doing all that well he had some financial problems because of divorce and all the rest of it and I, they just kind of kept piling the problems up but I, I wonder you know he came from a very wealthy family so i 
am I wrong in, in just assuming that money problems weren't really a big deal for Robin Williams? Yeah, I, at that point, I don't think that that was a right. likely factor, and not, not even because of you know his his wealthy background. But he had earned quite a bit in his own right. lifetime. He you know set up trusts for all three of his children who were adults at that point, and their you know their their trusts had had paid out. Uh, you know, he had uh, you know a prenup with the the his his wife, his third wife, who became his widow. I mean, all all those people were taken care of after his. Uh, his his death, so uh, you know it, it's just the nature of a disease that is uh, degenerative and and that you know has a lot of uh, you know effects on on just how people process information, how how they perceive the world, and uh, you know people people who suffer from it sadly uh, can experience tremendous uh, paranoia. They can have uh, hallucinations, and they can have massive uh, personality changes. And it's it's you know hard to know. Uh, even even for people that were with him in the end, uh, you know, they may not know entirely how how much of the disease was at play when this right. was happening. No, very true. I, I I've been lucky enough, as I said, I've been in in, in the business uh, for forty eight years now, going on forty nine, and I know a number of people. I didn't know Robin Williams, but I know a number of people, and I know that friends of friends, when they meet somebody, and I don't really want to throw anybody's name out there, they got they always say to me. God, what a jerk. And I said, no, 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 you have to understand something. That's how he really is. He's extremely shy. And they don't understand that. And I understand that Robin Williams was terribly shy. I think certainly for people that, you know, he wasn't familiar with or wasn't uh, yet comfortable with, I mean, he could certainly be a very... Uh, inward person and a very uh, you know internalized person. I think it's certainly the sense that you might get just from uh, his performance style, the way that he came across in his comedy and in his films, is that he was very uh, extroverted and and explosive. And and you know he he put on a certain amount of that act for people sure. in his day to day interactions. I think to put people at ease and to make them feel comfortable around him, but also to make himself feel comfortable because that was not sort of who he was naturally that you know he he's sort of doing that to uh to make him feel at ease around people that he is probably a little bit fearful of uh being judged by yeah that's a great way to put it Dave because that that I try to tell people if he had been acting like he did on stage it was to keep his distance from you the yeah. fact that he was just being himself meant he kind of liked being around you that if he did go into his act, it kind of meant in a way that he didn't want you near him, basically. Or, <laughs> right. Or, or again, just as, a, you, you know, it was a kind of protective measure on uh, on his part. I yep. mean, there are stories, both, both uh, you know, Pam Dauber, who was his co-star on uh, Mork and Mindy all those years, and his first wife, uh, Valerie Velarde, they both told me stories about, meeting Robin for the first time, and that in, in both of those situations, he would sort of put on a character for them, that with, uh, with Valerie, he pretended yeah. to be a Frenchman, and with, uh, you know, with, with Pam Dauber, he pretended to be Russian, and they, they had no idea that he was putting them on at first. It really took them, you know, a minute or so to, to realize that, uh, you know, this was an act, and, and it's not because, obviously, he came to care for both of those people greatly, but it wasn't, wasn't that he was put off by them. It's that, again, it, it, if he were to reveal his true self to them right away, there's a possibility on his part that he would be rejected, and that would yeah. would have devastated him. There's no doubt about it. The book is called Robin, the definitive biography and untold story of Robin Williams. 
Dave, thanks so much for this interview because, oh, as my I said, pleasure. for me personally, it came at a wonderful time because I was kind of like, re- after the Kate Spade thing, the day after watching yeah. three hours of Robin Williams' life, uh, yeah, you even helped me out. I appreciate that. Oh, well, if I can help out in the, in the slightest at the, at a moment like this, uh, I'm grateful for it. And uh, thank you for your uh, interest in the book. I appreciate that. Absolutely, sir. Dave Itzkoff, I-T-Z-K-O-F-F. The book is available everywhere. Robin, the definitive biography, an untold story of Robin Williams. Thank you. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure to be with you. One thing we keep talking about is that North American Banking Company is a community bank. Why is that important? Well, two things. First, as a locally owned and operated bank, we move quickly for our customers when it matters most. You're not waiting for a loan decision to come out of state or making the decision right here at your home. Secondly, our customers appreciate the fact that we get to know them and understand their goals. For many of our customers, we're coaches, mentors, and sometimes sounding boards for their ideas. It's hard to get that from a big bank, but it's something we do just because it's Tuesday. Well, that sounds like a great way to do business. All of our employees are working to help meet your business needs. It's how we create loyalty. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Thank you again to Dave Itzkoff for... uh for calling in. He's going to be on the first hour and things got mixed up, but he was nice enough to go out of his way to call in the second hour. Uh, but yeah, the Robin Williams thing was really weird because I watched three hours of his life on Monday night. I get on the show the next day on the afternoon show here and I find out Kate Spade had killed herself and I almost, well, she used a scarf whereas he used a belt, but they both hanged themselves from a doorknob. Yeah. Not Sad. good. So it was very, very depressing. From and, you know, a doorknob? Yeah. How do you, what? He, yeah, he must have looped the belt around the doorknob oh, and, and then on up, his neck and then just kind the... of. No, and just, you sit down and choke yourself. Yeah, you just make it tight enough so when you sit down, it yep. cinches That sounds your... horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Like really way does. worse than a normal hanging. When they see people who do that, they're punishing themselves. Yeah, I think. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that at but all. But I have a, a well, really. Well, you probably won't be doing that. A really, no. uh, uh. 
insightful quote, probably one of the most insightful things, I think, with people with depression. But Robin Williams did say, he goes, I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy because they know what it's like to feel absolutely worthless and they don't want anyone else to feel like that. See, I think that's right on I've, the money. Yeah, yeah, I've read that before. And yeah. And you can tell that's I, you know, it's when you would watch him, he was very manic, but in a very fun and just, yeah, catching way. I mean, he was yeah. so engaging and i think he um it was like he was always on when he was in the public eye always felt like he had to be on because i don't think maybe from away from the public eye that's when the real robin would come out and you would see that sadness and stuff so i think he tried to compensate for that quite a bit that's why so many comedians are depressed Mm -hmm. and deal with like drug abuse and alcoholism and all that stuff because they're self-medicating gilbert godfrey uh, documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. I think it's on oh, yeah. Hulu. It's really good. Yes, really I mean, good. I would have oh, never have thought of him being that way. What do you mean? The fact it? that he took all of the hotel soaps and shampoos? <laughs> yeah. and he had. I can see that. Hundreds of bottles of shampoo. I have a box of shampoo and soap from hotels. <laughs> okay, Gilbert. They throw it away. Okay, Gilbert. <laughs> if you, you don't it, use even it, even if you don't open it. Oh yeah, he I had, don't know. His wife was pulling yeah. uh, stuff, stuff from, out from underneath the yeah, bed, the like those cabinet, storage, storage stuff from under your bed, just full of deodorants oh, yeah. and yep. shampoos hey. and soap. Hey. You, pay, you pay for it hey. on your hotel bill. Or well, you if we ever have like uh, a nuclear scare or something, he will be set and yeah, he will ready. smell fresh. He will. <laughs> I do it because it's nice for guests. Mm-hmm. It is nice for guests. It That's is. True. Not that we have, you know... Hundreds of guests every year. Well, it, it's hard, especially if you have but, people flying in. Yeah. They can't bring shampoo and yeah, stuff exactly. with them on a carry-on. No, yeah. So then they have to go to the drugstore when they get here. So it's nice just to have that kind of stuff. Yeah, like Dan's oldest brother, when his family comes into town, it's his brother, his wife, and their three kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's like five mini bottles of shampoo. Right I need there. to be prepared. Right there alone. <laughs> it's true. I'm going to read a, uh, an obituary. Oh, and the reason I'm reading it is to lighten the mood. because it's been explained by the man who wrote it. Have you heard of Kathleen Demlo's obituary? Mm-mm. Did I read that on the show? No, in, you read in, it on KQ. No. On KQ, but yeah. not here. Uh, this was actually in the paper just a few days ago. Kathleen Demlo Schunk was born on March 19, 1938 to Joseph and Gertrude Schunk of Obasso. This is in Minnesota, by the way. Schunk? Schunk, S-C-H-U-N-K. Uh, this was in Wabasso, Minnesota. She married Dennis Demlo at St. Anne's in Wabasso in 1957 and had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Lyle Demlo, and moved to California. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents. Oh. In... Airing her dirty laundry in her Oh, obituary. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, she abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents in Clements, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Schunk. She passed away on May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. I'm guessing the person who wrote the obituary was her husband. Her, her son. I was going to oh, say, was wow. it her kid? Yeah, yep. Yikes. The son who wrote a harsh obituary about his late mother spoke out on Wednesday about why he and his sister decided to reveal why they felt this world is a much better place without Kathleen Demlo. Jay Demlo, 
when they get it spelled, it says Damalo here, but I'm sure it's Demlo. Uh, 58 told the Daily Mail that his mother, who died Thursday at the age of 80, prompted a dysfunctional childhood for him and his sister, Gina, and she became pregnant by her brother-in-law. We wanted to finally get the last word, Demlo said. Now, I, I just, they have his name spelled the same way, D-E-H-M-A-L-O. So it's Demalo, but her name was Demlo. So I don't know if they changed it, I don't know. Uh, we wanted to get the last word, Demlo told the uh, news outlet. You could write it all down in a book or turn it into a movie. Oh, it is Demlo. It is Demlo, I yeah. thought so. Uh, and people wouldn't believe what uh, we went through. The siblings wrote that Demlo abandoned them in 1962 as she became pregnant and moved to California. Demlo's parents then raised Demalo. His name is spelled totally different than hers. I don't know why. <laughs> And his sister, she passed away on March 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. On mom's birthday. The, yeah, that's right. The now, no, mom's birthday is March 31st. Didn't you say March 31st? Oh, I meant May 31st. If I did, it's you said May 31st. March, which I'm sure you're used to just saying yeah, March 31st yeah, more true. because of mom's birthday. The now removed obituary. Yeah, they, they finally deleted the obituary because it got so many Why complaints. would you let him write the obituary? Well, that I don't know. I feel like... Even if you're a terrible person, your obituary should probably be, like, kind of okay. Like, she they were will, all right. She will not be missed by Gene and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. Demlo's sister, Judy, described the obit to the mail as nasty and said it hurt the family tremendously <laughs> before questioning why people are discussing it because it's not important. Yeah, it's kind of odd. I'm sorry, but it is important because people... Nobody would understand. Oh, and then Damalo says, not important. Sure, they have no idea what we went through back then. In the 50s and 60s, nobody talked about anything. The 58-year-old said he and his sister had to piece together information about their family and mother throughout their lives, claiming the two didn't know they had half-brothers until years after they were born. The rare instances, Damalo uh, recalls her taking a break from having a great life in California with her other kids and visiting them, the two didn't have much, uh, so much as a card from her. I remember she came home twice, and on one occasion, she was showing pictures of her and her kids playing cards and drinking beer. Gene and I were standing in the room, just standing there, and she didn't even acknowledge they existed. Mm. It's like we didn't exist. The revenge obituary was pulled from the Redwood Falls Gazette and removed from Legacy.com. So she comes back and doesn't even acknowledge her own two children. Why would you do that? That's really That's weird. Mother of the year. Mm. I don't even understand, like, as a mother, how you could possibly I know. do that ever. I, I don't know. Like, I can't even shut the door when I pee. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you get the hands under the door. Yeah, that's no, I true. Get, you get that Mama! Mama! Yeah. Mama! <laughs> so you can't even cut a whiz. <laughs> In peace. Yeah, without... Yeah, I don't... That's so crazy. There has to be some sort of mental issue, like disconnect. She probably, she probably didn't have that maternal instinct. Yeah. Probably didn't even want children to begin with. Yeah. That could have been it. I was just talking yeah. about that, how, like, in... Like, your... When you were having kids, you... <laughs> yes. Um, I feel like so many more people had kids because they felt like they should. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's what you do. Yeah. 
and whereas now not as many people are having kids because they're like i don't want to so i'm not going to have them right which but is we fair wanted, we yeah. wanted kids yes that was a big difference we yeah. wanted a boy and a girl and we got very very lucky we had a boy and a girl yeah we just got lucky. I don't know why did it happen. I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like women that are around like your age and mom's age and stuff yeah. felt more pressure to just like this is just what you do. Like they didn't feel like they had an option to not have kids if they didn't want them. Which yeah, it's like I, if you don't I want kids, you definitely shouldn't have children. Oh God! No. <laughs> no, well, I'd no rather have kids go to parents that want them versus yeah. You know, yeah, I have a friend that doesn't want kids, and she's like, I constant people are like, you're you'll change your mind, and I'm like don't have kids if you don't want to have children because you're going to resent them Mm -hmm. and be a terrible mother Mm -hmm. (laughs) well i mean my father actually after telling me of course he never liked me when i was seven years old that's a good guy he then once said and my brother todd was sitting on the porch at my grandparents house and he very loudly said we should have had never had any kids after tom because apparently i was the worst child ever to him okay and and todd we, he went out on the porch and you saw the rocking chair you're sitting and going back and forth because he got up and left. So, yeah, my father should have never had children. It should, it should have never happened. Well, first well, of all, because he was nuts. He was a nut job. So. He was a nut job. <laughs> That's Grandpa, a different story. Grandpa nut job. Never got to meet him. No, you never did. Never got the privilege. Oh, he was dead before Andy was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, was, he died very, very... He was only, I think, 62 when he died. Harrison was the only one that met him right like he's the he would have been like two yeah because harrison's what is he like four years older than me i'm the same age as amanda amanda's a little bit older than you oh and then harrison i think is three years older yeah so why do you have children if you don't want children i don't understand there's just like a pressure Mm. on women it's just like that's just something you do which i've always wanted children yeah like very badly so i am having children so there you go but dan wanted children too yeah like when on our third date it was like what are your deal breakers and i asked him that and he said if you smoked or you didn't want kids yeah well here's the deal here uh, to be totally honest once you were born we said oh god after this we can't have any more yeah (laughs) (laughs) well her Mom's doctor told her she shouldn't. Yeah, yeah she couldn't have any more. She's like, you will die. No, she, <laughs> Please she stop. It, I mean, it was a, a miracle that you were born healthy. It was really unbelievable yep. that you were born healthy. Just a miracle, baby. No big deal. Oh, God, now why did I even say it? Now I got to listen to it for the rest of my life. But honestly, when Alex was born, I held her in my hand. Mm-hmm. No, I do have big hands, yes, but I held. She was like, I was her head five was like pounds right here, and they're a little. Tootsies were right here. Yeah, I she was, was well, five pounds. I man. think I was five pounds when I was born too. Yeah, I had IUGR. What's that? Intrauterine growth restriction. Uh, growth restriction. <clears throat> My yes, mom just right. smoked when she was pregnant. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> that will do. Maybe mom not smoked fancy. and she's lying about. Mom did not smoke. My medical guarantee. diagnosis. No, mom I'm just kidding. Mom did not smoke. I no. can guarantee you, she never hit the pipe. She said that she tried to smoke when she was younger, like way yeah, before. Like but she's like, I was terrible at it. I'm like, I can't even. If I tried no. to smoke, I would vomit. I don't know what would happen. It would no, be bad. It, would not it wouldn't be good. go over well. well. We were just talking about that yesterday. It's funny because, you, as you pointed out, I think you can get on an elevator about a half an hour after somebody who smokes uh-huh. and still smells. Oh, it's they were it's there. a strong odor. It's, it's so awful. Bizarre. 
And Ugh. both, I grew up in a household. Both my parents smoked. I yeah, mean, I remember driving in the in the car, and the windows would be up. I'm like, can you please crack a window? I can't. Smoking bre- in your car. I know. That's next that used level. to be a lot more common in the 80s. And they, and they was, would just yeah. crack it, just like ever so slightly. You're like, That's I'm not like, helping. I'm like at the window, just <gasps> fresh air. Oh <laughs> Gross. You would be hanging your lips out of the window. <laughs> oh my god! Like it's a dog. Weird. Oh, it's Gross. like I think once you've exhaled it, the nicotine is pretty much already gone. So what's the point of keeping all the smoke in the air? Hot boxing. Yeah. <laughs> my uh. no, no, my dad's dad smoked rarely. He did smoke, but not very much. His mother didn't smoke at all, and my my mom's mom didn't smoke at all. Yeah, but your parents were in the era that everybody that smoked, smoked. Yeah. That's true. forever because they're like, it's good for your soul. I heard a lot of people in their teens now are smoking again. Is mm-hmm. that true? It's a hipster thing, I think. Yes, it is. Whenever I see someone around I my age know. or younger smoking, I want to go up and slap them in the face. <laughs> like, you need to make better life choices. <laughs> I think the hipsters think it's they're a rebel or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. They think it makes them look cool. Uh, Ugh. Just less. like even if you want to look cool, just don't inhale because that alone decreases your odds of getting cancer by so much. You don't look cool. You look like you're stupid. Well, you also don't look cool having flippy mustache and you know half mohawk. Yeah, but, but that's not harming that anybody. It's harming me. It's harming my eyes. It's harmful to me. I saw him about three weeks ago. There was a guy who's probably about 18 years old. He had a mohawk, but that wasn't enough because he also had a ponytail, but that wasn't enough. He also had to dye his ponytail pink. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mohawk, ponytail, pink. See, that kind of thing, it's like, whatever. True. I know. Whatever you need to do. You're not harming anybody. Like, you look dumb, but if you feel good about yourself... Great. We will be right back in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is the equal opportunity employer. You're so iconic standing on stage with his drink in one hand and his cigarette in the other. (laughs) Today is Dean Martin's birthday, Tom Jones's birthday, and Prince's birthday. It's also my nephew's birthday. It is. Brittany's nephew's birthday. Really? This kid, if he ever decides to show up. <laughs> if he ever decides to show up, it'd be good. So, who, who, which nephew? George. He turned 16 today. George turned 16. Today. Chris is oldest. I like Chris. Chris is a good guy. He is a good guy. He's the closest to Dan. Marvelous. Kevin Ring, how are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well, thanks. 
glad to hear it. Um, I tell you what, uh, criminal justice reform expert Kevin Ring, the president of Families Against Mandatory Minimums, he is author of Scalia's Court, A Legacy of Landmark Opinions and Dissents. President Trump seems to be in the pardoning mood. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, I'd have to agree with you. He seems to be in the pardoning mood. What is that all about? I can't tell you with 100%. I think he found a new toy. It's it's like um, he's got this awesome power, which clemency power is, that can't be checked by anybody else. And I think he's taken it for a test run. It's amazing because he's – here's what I like, first of all. Kim Kardashian West could not stop bad-mouthing President Trump until she needed a favor from him. Then all of a sudden he's the greatest guy in the world. So he does pardon the woman that she wanted pardoned. I just, all the filth in politics now, Kevin, really bothers me a lot. I I, I tend to be a centrist. I'm not really, I don't mind Republicans and I don't mind Democrats. I do mind the people on the far edges of both. Uh, Any extreme opinion. And you just cannot seem to get past past the, uh, if you don't agree with me, I hate you thing. Um, What happened to us as a society where our president can't stay off of Twitter where all of our politicians do dirty dealings behind. Have politicians always been dirty dealers behind closed doors, Kevin? Oh, yes. They're clean today by comparison. I mean, back in the old days, <laughs> they'd be on retainer for some companies and stuff. Oh, uh, God. You know, it's the system is actually more transparent. Remember, there were duels on the floor of the House and Senate. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it seems nasty uh, now, and people are petty. And the language is coarse, and there seems to be less focus on the national interest, and we're, we're getting more tribal, not less. And so it just, it's just off-putting, I think, to most people. It is to me. I want to talk about, if you don't mind, for, for, for a minute or two, about tribalism, because that's the exact impression I got. But people go, no, 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 it's not a tribal thing. See, I, I think it is fear-based, and I think it, we've gone tribal because of it. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think, the, and there's a real, like, um, whataboutism going on where, you know, one side gets rid of the filibuster for certain positions and the other side says, oh, yeah, well, we're going to do this. And then we do this. And everybody, no one asks, is this right? Or is this how I want to be treated? They just say, has your side ever done something like this to me? And so we've just ratcheted up this, mm-hmm. you know, sort of contest where, it's it's just all petty, and I think like what our our discourse would be so much better if you were just prohibited from doing two things, imputing motives to somebody. You just no matter what you thought, you were not allowed to impute motives to them. And two, you were not allowed to ch- make a charge of hypocrisy, even if the person was hypocritical. Don't make that charge. Win on the merits, because those are the only two arguments people make today. Is that this guy's a bad guy because, and he wants to do this for some reason I'm just conjuring up. Or two, he's done it to me before, so I'm justified in doing it. And we don't fight about reason or evidence or policy. It's, it's, it's all personal and petty and small. It is. And petty is a, a perfect word for it. It's these petty little things, and people get so angry about it. I've never seen anything like it. I, I uh, am of the age, I was a teenager, a young teenager in the 60s. And I was 16 years old when, uh, I was 11 when JFK was assassinated. And RFK, I was uh, 15, 16 years old, something like that. 
And boy, I tell you, the way people acted back then is a lot like they're acting now. And that really scares me because there's a lot of violence behind all that. I hope that doesn't happen again, Kevin. Yeah, I know. I, you know, if you read um, old history, I mean, if people think things are bad now. They should, you know, if you oh. read uh, some of those old books uh, about 60s and 70s and sort of domestic terrorism and the violence and blowing up government buildings, then you start, now it seems like a pretty <laughs> docile time. Yes. Um, yeah, and I hope it doesn't get to that. And I, and I, and I don't think it will, but, but it seems like we could at least function. You could pass major legislation even in that era, whereas now... I think our politicians, in order to be more responsive to their constituents, talk like them. And, you know, instead of leading, yeah, they yeah. get down into the same sort of gutter. And, and so we're crippled. We can't pass even the most basic. We don't pass budgets. We, we don't pass immigration bills, even if most people agree. Criminal justice reform is an area where there's bipartisan agreement. And we can't pass it because we don't have unanimity. And so it's, it's really we, we've got stalled a little bit. You know, it's interesting, Kevin. We in Minnesota here have a congressman. Matter of fact, he's my congressman because it's uh, a lot of the metro here in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Um, he's leaving Congress to run for attorney general. And yeah. you wonder, why would he do that? Because he would have had that Congress position for the rest of his life. He would have never lost. But he wants to risk it all to become attorney general. And apparently, uh, his friends tell me, I mean, he, I don't talk to him, but his friends tell me, the reason he wants to be attorney general is strictly so he can sue Donald Trump into oblivion. He wants to file oh, so boy. many lawsuits against Donald Trump. Like, what are you doing? Serve the people. What about serving the people? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, it's, um, it's sad. And in some ways, though, I don't think our politicians are worse than the people. Well, I mean, I, 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 I always yeah. say this. I think, I think the problem is us. I think, yeah. I think we demand this. Like when in the old days, you know, senators would at least try to find agreement and that sort of stuff. I think now when they do that, the extremes in our parties, you know, punish people for that. Yeah. And they say, don't, you know, don't, don't work with him. He's the devil. And then they get primaried for doing that. And so... I think we're pulling the members apart. There used to be more camaraderie in Washington, and and I and I so I just I think we're part. I think we're the problem. I don't. I think they're doing what they think we want them to do. I think that's a very good point, Kevin. We're talking to Kevin Ring. Tell me about FAM. FAM is a national criminal justice reform organization, nonprofit. It's been around for 27 years, and we have the unremarkable mission of trying to create a more fair and effective justice system, which is only hard because, again, we have these competing impulses in our country of people who want fairness and they believe in second chances. But then we also have this vengeful streak. So we, we, we ask for stiff punishments. And if we hear about a high-profile crime or we get scared about something, we demand Congress pass a law about that and make those people yeah. go away and not realizing that some of those are our neighbors or family members who, you know, made mistakes but are going to rejoin society someday and we should really if we care about public safety, make sure that they come back better than they went in. So FAM works on both sentencing and prison reform at the federal and state level. And we really, our focus is individualization. We want people to be punished as individuals, not through cookie-cutter justice of one-size-fits-all penalties. And when they're in prison, we want them to get the rehabilitation, treatment, job training that they need to come back out and succeed. You know, it's amazing, Kevin. We uh, we talked about this once in a while, but 
the area in which I grew up uh, here in Minneapolis, uh, when I go visit some people I've known in prison, the Stillwater State Prison, there are a few prisons here, I know about half the prisoners, and I know almost all the guards because they grew up in my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really weird how the guards, almost all of them grew up in the same neighborhood with the criminals. Yes. What is that all about? Yes. Well, and it's funny. I mean, there's a thin line because, um, you know, we always have to deal with prisons going on lockdown and family members not being able to visit their loved ones, and it's, you know, the argument is because there's contraband drugs or phones getting into the prisons. Well, most of the time, that's the guards. Um, it's the guards who are accepting payoffs to do that, uh, are bringing things in. And yeah, it's, you know, the, the, the line between guard and, and uh, prisoner is not that bright. And you're right about they come from the same neighborhood. We build our prisons usually in rural areas. Yep. And so you get a certain talent pool <laughs> of people. And, you know, these are not social workers or psychologists. They're usually there for just the brute force of keeping people locked up. And, um, and that can lead to corruption. And so that's another part of our system, um, actually, that could use some reform and rethinking is what do we want? I mean, if this is a correction system, we should be in the business of correcting people. And too often, it seems, we're still in the mode of punishing them when prison itself is supposed to be the punishment. Now, from what I understand, Kevin, uh, prisons in America are big, big business. A lot of people make a lot of money from our prison system. Uh, is that true? Well, I think that's somewhat overstated, and I'll tell you why. Okay, I mean, good. I think there's money involved. But it's, again, I think I think things like private prisons, which I don't support, but right. I think... You know, that's a clear example where, okay, a corporation is running a prison for a state or a federal government, and they, you know, it's just like we we ask Raytheon or, or Boeing to build our bombers, right? Like, so there's some government services we contract out, and it bothers people that we do it with prisons. I get that. We don't want people trafficking in human misery. Right. The problem is our public prisons are terrible, too, and our public employee unions, um, our prison guard unions, also fight to keep the jails full so that they keep their jobs and communities when when governors try to close prisons in rural areas the communities say oh don't do this because this is a source of revenue for our town so again it's like we're all complicit in this sort of you know over incarceration problem that we have it's most noticeable and it's you know sort of private enterprise form but the bigger problem is again public unions uh, you know, small towns who don't want to lose, you know, what yeah. they consider to be an economic force. So it's something that requires us all, this, all of us to check our motives. But Kevin, so is it true that America imprisons people at a higher rate than almost anywhere else? It is. And, well, the only reason I never, I mean, the statistic is true, that we have the highest incarceration rate of any country in the world. What I always, my caveat is, I don't think that means we're less free because I don't think North Korea is sharing their numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, China. And so those people, those people who may not be in prisons are still not free. And so I don't, you know. But in terms of yes, in terms of prison population, we're, we exceed everybody. Russia, China, you know, it's it's amazing. We're, we can't be a more corrupt people. That doesn't seem right. That just our human nature of the no. people who happen to inhabit this continent are that way. But but those are the statistics. What can we do as private citizens to help you uh, get where you want to be? 
Well, I think people have to care about this issue, and it's hard because we all have things that we care about, and thinking about prisoners is not one of them. Yeah. One, because they're not in our face. You know, they're removed. But two, it's very easy. Well, you know, I mean, you, you want to save baby seals or you want to save orphans or people who are just innocent and virginal, and then prisoners, I mean, people who did something wrong, who sold drugs or yeah. hurt somebody, it's hard to elicit any sympathy for them. But I think to just keep in mind that it's in our self-interest how we treat prisoners and how we punish them because 95% of all prisoners are going to come home someday. So it's not like we're sending them to some island. They're going to come back to our neighborhoods and communities. And so how we punish and rehabilitate them is going to affect public safety. Uh, we can't wish this problem away. So it's really in all of our interest. We spend a lot of money doing things that don't work, and that's our tax dollars. So it's really just figuring out how this system affects everybody and then taking action based on that. Can I tell you, Kevin, an interesting – just a couple of years ago, uh, a man very close to the family was sentenced to prison. And my wife and I and our daughter, Alex, would go visit him every Saturday. And Alex and my wife are attractive women. Taking two attractive women into a prison is really uncomfortable, I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, whoa, okay, let's I remember mom called me and she's like, wear a gray sweatsuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't wear anything, that, wear a turtleneck, a moo-moo, exactly. whatever you've got. It's so amazing. Uh, Kevin, how can people reach out to you to try to uh, maybe contribute or... or... Yeah, sure. Uh, well, to, to, to learn more about us and to, the issue generally, you know, go to fam.org, F-A-M-M.org. Uh, follow us on Facebook or on um, Twitter. And I'm followable on Twitter at um, at Kevin A. Ring. And, um, you know, just plug in. A lot of people are affected by this thing. This is an issue where more people are affected. I, whenever I speak to groups, you know, I say, how many people, you know, have a loved one in prison? I mean, when I was a kid, I don't think anybody would have raised their hand. Now it's always half the class or something, you know, whatever the group is. People, you know, it's it's affecting more and more of us. So we should be able to do something about it. Kevin, you're a great guest. I appreciate your time today, sir. Well, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate uh, it. Our pleasure. F-A-M-M dot org. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you on Monday with the family. Yeah.